Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, the founder of the Dream Chasers platform, and thank you for tuning into our content. We've got some phenomenal creators making a name for themselves on this platform, and we just want to say thank you for going on this journey with us. It's been a lot of fun over the past few years, and hey, we're just getting started. We would also like to take this moment to shine light on our sponsor, Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. To learn more about Raise Masters, you can go to raisemasters.com. That's raisemasters.com. And again, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us, your time. Now kick back and enjoy the show. information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. So, you've decided you want more out of your life, more than the nine to five more than paycheck to paycheck, more than lifelong debt. But that leaves questions. Where do I go from here? What can I do without any money, connections, or experience? Our goal is not only to provide you with answers to those questions, but also to motivate people in an authentic way, mentor people who don't have mentors, give back, and hear some inspiring stories along the way. If you're not gonna show people what's possible, who is? My name is Aaron Eiler. And I'm April Munson. And, and this, this is Ground Zero. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Dream Chasers Ground Zero. Today we have with us Josh Kettner. Josh, would you just mind sharing with us a little bit about who you are and what you do? And then we'll follow that up with the story of your personal Ground Zero moment. For sure. Um, I'm Joshua Kettner. I own and manage a clinic called Dream Body Clinic down in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And I started it a little over nine years ago, kind of looking at different opportunities abroad. Ended up here in Mexico, and we can get into that if you want, uh, you know, starting a business in another country, all that. And over the years, we've built that from initially starting with like hormone replacement therapies to now the past six years, our main thing has been mesenchymal stem cell therapies. So cutting edge medical technology and treatments that uh, aren't allowed everywhere. And we found ways to do it the right way, ethically, help as many people as possible. And we've just been growing like crazy. We'll, we'll have the largest stem cell clinic with lab in the world that will be completed in about two months. So just helping a lot of people and, you know, happy to share my story and answer any questions. Oh, that's awesome, man. I really can't wait to jump into that. But before we do, Let's go ahead and jump into that story that we talked about before we're going to hit hit record. If you wouldn't mind just sharing that story of your personal ground zero moment with us and what that has taught you to help you get to where you are now. Yeah. And I like you asked that because I think everybody goes back to just those moments of pain and, you know, difficulties when we tend to grow the most. For me, it was my dad had Lou Gehrig's disease. And with that, I mean, there's not much you can do. It's terminal. 
But unfortunately, the way the medical system set up in the United States, especially like Seattle, where I'm from, um, things that we thought might help, like human growth hormone, testosterone, just uh, they fell under the anabolic steroid act. So they wouldn't even let him try those. Right. So then you start seeing just kind of for me, how messed up the medical system was all of that. And we were looking for anything, learned a lot about different hormones like testosterone and growth hormone. And unfortunately, back then didn't know how to get them. And, you know, he passed and I then used that as a way I, I realized I liked caregiving. I liked taking care of people in those really tough situations. And I used that to actually get into uh, senior caregiving. I worked for the largest placement agency in the United States called A Place for Mom, worked as one of their advisors, helping people find, you know, different uh, places for their, their loved ones. And in the process of that, I, I read an article one day and it said, man outsources parents to India. I thought that was kind of funny. I'm like, smart, you know, like the big problem with that industry is the overregulation. Just uh, it drives cost. It drives just who can access it, all of that. So um, I looked into it. I'm like, India is too far away. But I thought Mexico, my parents always had a timeshare there. That could be a cool place to check out. And I looked into it and, you know, very similar as far as regulations and whatnot. So I came down here to Puerto Vallarta to work with a friend of mine. I was still working there for a place for mom, but uh, just digging into what could be possible. Had some big investment groups that just kind of fell through. And, you know, it's really tough. You got this big dream, this big idea, and it didn't work out. It, it unfortunately had two different major investment groups. Like they were bringing in tens of millions of dollars just backed out last minute. And I didn't know what to do, but, you know, maybe God looking out or however you want to look at it was I got introduced to a doctor here from the United States that had been doing this flying by program with things like human growth hormone and testosterone. He'd been doing it since the early 90s. He was going back for a PhD program. So I learned a lot about what he was doing and basically in a, in a way kind of took over. He didn't like hand it to me, but I built a website. I got things going and you couldn't believe it, but people actually started coming. Unfortunately, I knew a lot about this and was able to, to help a lot of people and that grew. And out of all that pain and all of these just kind of just setbacks and letdowns, uh, I, I joke that I kind of forced Gump my way into, you know, this amazing position to, to be able to help a lot of people. And it, it's never a straight path, you know, it's, uh, it's never just, hey, A to B to C, it's all around till you get to the spot. And that's what happened with me. I love that, man. I think, I think my first question, the place I want to start with this is going back to that, that ground zero moment where you were having those, you know, you were in that moment where a very emotional time with your father being sick and unfortunately being terminal and uh, different things going on, like in your mind at that point in time, really, how were you able to kind of like transition through that moment where, you know, where, like you said, the, the industry is still heavily regulated and there was a lot of different things that they didn't even give him the opportunity to try. So really, like, how do you keep going at a point in time like that where it honestly just kind of feels like your hands are tied and there's really nothing that you can do? Um, I think it's preparation. You know, there's no way you're, you're always going to hit points where you're going to want to give up, where you're just like, you know, and sometimes it's smart to give up. Like if it's really not the right thing, like it was the right thing for me to stop going after this assisted living idea, but that doesn't mean giving up in general. It means, you know, like they'll talk about pivoting or finding something else. And fortunately, I, I always keep my eyes open. I'm kind of an eternal optimist. I'm 
and that's the big thing is you need that optimism, but you also need, and I'm fortunate to have a wife who's maybe a bit more pessimistic. She like, she'll cut things off and be like, Hey, that's a, you need to stop dreaming. That's not the right way to go. I also account like the preparation when my dad did pass. I mean, he had a big aerospace company, tons of money. I didn't get any of that. I got nothing. It all went to my mom and great for her, but he left me a box of books. And some of those books was like Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, what were some of the others? Like, uh, I, I think the Think and Grow Rich, some of those. I mean, it wasn't too many of them, but I mean, again, you got to build your foundation. Everybody thinks they're just going to run right forward and get it. It takes time. And like anything, you got to spend time sharpening that axe to make sure you can be the most efficient. So, you know, you, you got to put in the time, the effort, everything. It doesn't just come to you. Absolutely. And I love that just the way that, you know, nothing's given, everything's earned. And I think that that definitely shows as well. And I love that. Um, next thing I wanted to ask about is, um, you know, with this, um, I, I see like where the spark kind of turned with this, you know, this event with your father and those, those, all those medical events. But where did the like um, the kind of medical journey really start for you? Like, were you first interested during all of those things? Did you already have a prior interest? Where, where did that kind of ball start rolling? Yeah, I've I've always had more of a scientific kind of leaning, and you know, when I read stuff, I like to read things about like you know anti aging, about biohacking, longevity, and you see it. But like so many people, you can also spend too much time just reading and learning and not doing. And fortunately, I've been pretty good at like doing so, you know, I saw that those things may have worked for my dad, but they didn't. But the more I researched them, I'm like, they have a lot of benefits for all kinds of people. And so, yeah, I've, I've been the guinea pig for everything that we do. I, I've been on human growth hormone for nine years, which, you know, some people might think is crazy. But when you see these patients I have and they're like late 70s that are like, they look like they're 50 and they move like a 20 year old. They're like, okay, man, that's a smart thing. More and more studies are coming out. Like the VA just did the biggest study ever on testosterone. You know, men on over, you know, 40 that are on testosterone replacement therapy live longer than men that don't. Their hearts are healthier. Everything that we were lied to about the idea of steroids being so bad. Yeah. If you're going to, even if you abuse them truly, it, it's probably controversial to say, but I mean, I've had thousands and thousands of patients and I've got patients in their mid fifties that are like been on bodybuilder type doses of steroids for 30 years plus, And like, they have the best blood work you'll ever see. So it's, uh, it's not quite what you think. I don't recommend that. I think replacements better, but, uh, yeah, you start seeing that, you know, I have to be the guinea pig. I've done all the stem cells and I'll only offer things that I would do myself. So I've just kind of followed that. Like it, uh, I'm interested, but I also, you know, who doesn't want to live longer? And for me, it's protective because the disease my dad had, I mean, it scares me. I don't ever want to get that. So I try to be preventative. I, I'm always looking at what's coming next and what I can do to make sure that like, I'm not one of those people obsessed with living forever. I mean, it'd be cool, but like, it's for me, it's more about quality of life. You know, if I only make it to say 70, I want to make sure I'm like, you know, kicking butt all the way to 70. Not like most of these guys you see that they hit 65 and they're dead within five years after they retire because they just, they didn't take care of themselves. They, they, they didn't plan anything forward. You know, they just thought, oh, the retirement's the end. And I don't want to be that guy. 
I 100% agree. I think it's, you know, definitely something that I've kind of subconsciously carried with me, just not necessarily in those words, I guess, where, you know, none of us really know how long, how much time we have here and how we're going to spend that. So it, sure. and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to relate, relate that in like a YOLO sense, but just like that we want to spend it, you know, while we're here, because we really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or any of those things. And completely. so um, that, that's more of the, <laughs> the line that I was going with, but I wanted to shift here to ask more about like the stem cells part of it, because um, I will be very straightforward. I was a business major. I don't really know a whole lot about any of that <laughs> stuff, but I figured this is also a good opportunity for me to ask a little bit about that. Was, was stem cells one of the first things that you came across in, you know, in the new research that you were doing, or is that something that kind of came along later after experimenting in a few other things first? Kind of what was that journey like? Okay, so back when my dad was sick, we had a friend whose uncle like also had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And, you know, this is, geez, 18, 15, probably 17 years ago. And he went over to China back then. And back then they were doing more of the embryonic stem cells. Now, make this clear, there's different types of stem cells. So it gets really confusing because people just think like they hear these horror stories and they're thinking of the wrong kind of stem cell. So this type of stem cell called embryonic stem cells, those usually come from aborted fetuses, from embryos. In my opinion, they're unethical, not the right way to go. Back when, you know, in the early 2000s, when Bush was president, he kind of, he didn't ban them, but he said they wouldn't federally fund it, right? Because his advisors said it wouldn't work, but in China, they were still doing it. So this guy went over there, could open a section of his skull, put some of these embryonic stem cells in, and he came back. And for like two weeks, he was getting better, starts walking upright, starts looking like he's recovering. End of week three, just keels over, massive brain tumor, because those kind of stem cells want to become a baby. So it always stuck with me that the guy got better first and then went. So it was like, well, they clearly either aren't doing something right or they don't understand something right. So I always kept an eye on what was going. And then later on, you know, after I'd moved to Mexico, I'd kind of forgotten about all that. And being in the medical field here, I then would hear rumors, different stories about them doing stem cells in Mexico. But, you know, I'm still thinking embryonic. I'm like, ah, that's not a good idea. And then I started learning about what are called mesenchymal stem cells. And those are the stem cells like you see ads for even in the United States now. They don't do it the same as us because they can't replicate them. They use fat or bone marrow. But here we can replicate the cells so we get many, many more. And I started learning more about that. And like a lot of people, about 10 years ago, there was a, a interview with Joe Rogan and Mel Gibson and this doctor out of Panama. And they do the same sort of stem cells as us, mesenchymal stem cells. And that really opened the industry to a lot of people. So we had just kind of like me and my wife, her being Mexican, we tracked down and found, yeah, they are doing stem cells here. And we found the lab that was doing it the right way, ethically, safely, no, you know, no aborted fetuses, no embryos, nothing. This is all, they're considered adult stem cells and they're ethical and safe. And they, they basically allow your body to heal like it did when you're a little kid. The older we get, the fewer we have. So we're able to just put these in and they just, they're like the manager on the construction site. They just guide the repair. They don't even turn into anything. I mean, the guy who named them wishes he could rename them medicinal signaling cells. Technically, they're not even a stem cell in your body, but the name stuck. And that's just kind of what it is. So that that was really the journey into finding it. We were already doing the hormone stuff and, you know, it was helping a lot of people, but 
there's still a lot of things that people issues that people had, you know, I had so many people coming to me with sports injuries and different things and growth hormone helps to a point, but it's not like the end all be all it, it, the stem cells really are turning out to be that. So it was just kind of a natural progression from watching what was going on. Okay. No, I love that. I do. I think it's, you know, a lot of like everybody's journey is a whole lot of trial and error and finding the right thing. Yeah. And I think that that definitely shows, especially in the medical field. And, you know, sometimes it's just a shame, like what it takes to kind of get to that point. But no, I definitely think it's noble what you guys are doing. And you're really paving the way for, we don't even know what's to come, but either way, you know, it's, it's truly, honestly, it's really cool. But um, switching gears a little bit, I do want to ask you really what it was like ending up your own business in another country. Like that, I think is very difficult. I mean, for me to fathom, because I've never really had to research regulations and different things for another country to then go there and do all of those things. So just kind of like walk us through what that, what that transition was like. A nightmare. (laughs) If you think it's tough navigating stuff in like the U.S., it's a whole nother level. Like uh, there's like whole different levels to bureaucracy, language barriers, all of that. So, you know, had to get my Spanish a lot better. But fortunately, my wife, she's an accountant here and understands. I mean, just little things like they you have to file taxes monthly in Mexico instead of yearly. So every month is April. It's ridiculous. It it makes doing business here so tough. You just see that like the U.S. is special actually is what you start realizing. Like as far as like ease of opening a business and having that opportunity, like the U.S. really is. But the problem there is that there's a lot more competition. So it does make opportunity tougher where Mexico you don't have a lot of competition, which can be a big advantage if you can figure out how to do it right. And I've noticed that, like I have a lot of friends now that have businesses in like Panama, Colombia, um, England, Spain, different countries. And it's the same thing. There's actually more opportunity on a lot of businesses in these other countries, but only, only if you're willing to do things the right way, because all these places, typically in Central and South America, it's all about, it's a culture of cutting corners, not doing things right. And if you cut those corners, like it, it always comes back on you. I've seen it happen to so many people. And so we do things to U.S. standards or above. And because we're one of the few that does that in Mexico, like we just keep succeeding because, and it's funny, people feel it's like these other people can't understand why we do so well. And it's like, we take care of our patients. We do things right. You know, we, and it's that simple, but uh, it's not a simple thing to accomplish in places like this. So you got to find the rules, the regulations, you know, it's, it's more of a culture of just, you know, like paying the right guy for the permits and, you know, that can have its advantages at times, but it's like the, the rules are there for a reason, usually, especially in medical. I mean, you can't cut corners there. So we do that. And because of that, we've, there's a ton of opportunity. No, I love that. And that's where I'd like to go a little bit deeper on this, like kind of doing things the right way, where I think a lot of us kind of figure that out the hard way, at least at some point or another, when we're trying to start, not even necessarily a business, but just a new, you know, hobby, a new anything. How can we, you know, as entrepreneurs, as people, how can we kind of make sure when we're starting something new, like how can we put in that um, initial research, I guess you'd call it, that we make sure we're kind of finding those right people that we're like, 
either like partnering with them or whatever it is, like building those relationships now so that when we do, when we are ready to move, when we are ready to start, that we are able to do all those things the right way. I find trial and error is the best teacher. You just got to get out there and do it first. And you're going to find, I don't care how much you prepare, you're going to find things you didn't expect. So you have to have that base of like, I'm not going to compromise. Like I like, I'm going to do things the right way. Like, a good example here, the, the health board has it where I have to keep files on every single patient, right? And I mean, it, they're so crazy about names here in signatures. Like, you know, in the US, you can just sign however you want, like on your receipts or whatnot. Or if you go to the bank now nah, in Mexico, like they take your signature serious, like it's ridiculous. And they do names different here. So like, you know, my name is Joshua Tyler Kettner. They don't do middle names really in Mexico. They give you your mom's last name and your dad's last name. So the name order is really important. And so if I don't have all those files perfect, if they, you know, come to inspect, like one of two things will happen. Either the inspector is going to expect me to like pay him a bunch of money to, to keep quiet or they're going to go report it back. And next thing you know, I'm having issues with the health board. So it's a really simple thing and I could probably just get by, but no, we, we don't compromise on that. It's like something that truly makes no difference to the patient's health, but by doing it right, like when they do come, like, you know how, like almost every business tends to get audited by like the IRS or something at some point um, that happened to us here. Actually, we got audited by the equivalency of the IRS here and my wife goes above and beyond on the accounting. And yeah, they, they came in and it was like the first time they'd ever done an audit and didn't find anything wrong because <laughs> she's like, so like German level efficiency on the way she operates. And, you know, it impresses people and it, it's little things. And if you just do those daily and hold those ethics, then you can do it. And when you encounter things that you could slide around and do it the lazy, easy way. Just don't let yourself because it becomes a culture. It becomes the way you operate. And I mean, I see this in the US, here, Canada, you name it, like everybody tends to do it. So if you can handle those, like put higher expectations on yourself because, you know, people will let you slide. They don't care. But if you keep it on yourself, like it does pay off in the long term. It, it really does. No, you're 100% right. I'm really glad that you said that because I think that what we kind of define as the right way is subjective because yeah. we all come from a different background. We all come from a different place. We all come from different cultures. It doesn't really matter that, you know, like the right way is sticking to you and the way that you enjoy doing things and the way that you believe things should be done. And I think that that's like extremely important. Like you said, sticking to your values and what you truly believe in. And that's where like, I think so many of us like, don't realize that like you talk about trial and error that failure really is the best teacher because when we all think back on the lessons that we've learned in life the ones that stick the most happened when we got hurt whether whether that be falling off your bike whether that be a breakup with a girlfriend whether that whatever that thing may be the lessons that are so hardwired into your brain now are tied to some level of failure or pain and i think that that's where like a lot of us just overlook that because obviously nobody wants to fail, but you also have to realize that in learning from that failure, you realized what was wrong about that situation. You're able to reflect and say, this is what went wrong. 
And now you apply that to every interaction beyond that point, every person that you meet, whether, whether that be business-like or business or otherwise, that you now can say from that interaction that you learned from it and you now know what to look for in the next one. That's where like, it's so important what you said, because you know, it's not so much about doing it the right way. It's about learning what works for you and now being able to apply that to each interaction from here forward. Yep. You know, we talk about failure a lot on here. And I just think like, it's something that like, no matter how many times you say it, it's still hard to wrap your head around because like, no, it doesn't feel good. No, of course you don't want to fail, but yeah, you learn so much more that way. And, you know, that's where everybody says, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, that's, that's where, because you're learning so much more than the person that's just doing things, maybe the wrong way, but still quote unquote winning. So it's, it's a weird mind thing, but anyway, um, so now shifting to, um, you know, back to the, the business part of it here. Um, I know we talked about it being a nightmare in, you know, trying to stand up a business in another country with language barriers and a lot of different regulations and things like that. What was it like for you, like mentally, really, what was that like when you kind of like mentally decided, you know, like. I think that's the place. I think I'm going to go to Mexico and try to start this business. Like just what in the world was going through your head at the time that you were able to say, like, this is what I'm going to do. And despite what comes, like, I'm going to make it happen. Oh, I don't know. You just kind of, for me personally, like I kind of had that sense of adventure. I, I like to go after things. So for me, it was, if you can, it, it's all about how you frame things. So I just simply framed it as an adventure and, if nothing else, even if it didn't work out, I was going to really enjoy it and I was going to learn a lot and I was going to have an experience that like not a lot of people could, even if I had failed here and I did eventually go back to the States or something. Well, I mean, look, I've hired people and, you know, a lot of people will look in like your resume and colleges and all this, but like when it, when it's so cookie cutter, they don't care if you can give them a story about how you went to Mexico, tried this whole thing and ah. Eh, didn't quite work out, get really close. Like, you know what, There, you're going to have a much higher chance of that, you know, probably getting that job. And if nothing else, I mean, I don't like working for other people. I would do it if I had to get back on my feet, but I'd just be waiting till the next thing because I'd have more experience. And the next time I'd be closer to success, most likely. So uh, that's just how my brain's wired. I just keep pushing it. Not everybody's wired for that. So you kind of have to make that decision too. If that's not something you can do, like you go get a job, you know, like do something more simple. But uh, I kind of like being out there at the edge and I, I'm comfortable with it. If you can get comfortable being uncomfortable, you're going to have a higher chance of success. And you got to learn little things like, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable, be comfortable pushing it, but you also got to learn to be bored. Most people suck at being bored. You know what bored means to me? It's the greatest thing. So it means nothing's wrong. <laughs> like a boring day is the best day because I don't have a problem. You know, it's okay, cool. It, today might not be the most exciting day. So you got to find those balances. You know, dopamine, there's some really good information on that. A great book called The Molecule of More. If you want to understand how your brain works, just go read that book, The Molecule of More. Dopamine drives everything, but dopamine's never satisfied. It'll just keep pushing you and pushing you. So 
you got to figure out how to get that balance. And if you can, it's all mental. I mean, when it really comes down to it, everybody's got a business idea, but it's a mental struggle as much as it is physical, as much as it is profit and loss, all those things. So yeah, the more you can learn, the more you can talk to people that have done it and succeeded, the more you're going to learn. And that's why a podcast like yours is so great because you get a, if you can learn, the best way to learn is to learn from people that have done it or something similar, because yeah, I mean, you'll never forget that time you failed, but you know what? Like if you can learn from your buddy's failure or someone you watched failure, like, and actually learn it, like it's the best way to learn because you can see where the pain is, but you don't have to physically feel it and you can kind of skip a few steps. So that's what I try to do. Absolutely. And just kind of touching on that comfortability point, once again, um, you talked about there being a much higher level of success if you can just kind of conjure up the courage to, you know, be comfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's not necessarily like, I feel like there's kind of a misconception about that too, where like, it's not necessarily ever comfortable, but you just get to a point that you are comfortable getting yourself into those situations where like, yeah, it's still stressful it's still you know all of those things but you're just you're able to kind of throw yourself into that situation rather than like getting stuck in that sticking point where you're like you know what maybe i won't go try that thing because i'm worried about abc like where you talk about there being a higher success rate it's because you now have the courage and the momentum to go start that thing without all of that uh what do you want to call it? Emotional baggage, I guess you could say, where like that other voice in the back of your head that's holding you back from starting that thing that you've always wanted to do. You've got comfortable being uncomfortable because you continually push yourself into that situation. And that's where I think, you know, the true power of that is, as well as that point that you made about framing things. I mean, so powerful just because, I mean, there's so much that we don't even realize. it's, It's all a mental game. Like, I mean, sports are a prime example, but at the same time, like, so is life. Like, it's all just a matter of how you perceive what's going on around you. And it's truly insane. I mean, so like, I won't, I won't go too far on that, obviously, because (laughs) I don't know, I don't know all the science behind it. So I'm not fit to give up. Yeah, no, there's levels, man. I mean, (laughs) it, it, it really is more like a video game than I think people realize. It's like, Every time you hit another level, you see it. It's really clear looking down, but like looking up, trying to get, you don't even know till you're at that next level to look down and it just keeps progressing. And I mean, I've hit a pretty high level, but I mean, I meet patients that are like, you know, businesses, you could not fathom how well they do. And it's, it's a whole different level. So, and each one comes with different skills. You got to learn. Most of those are skills around money. You know, I think money's a tough subject for most people, but, uh, if you can't learn not just how to save money, but how to spend money too, like you're, you're going to have issues and you just learn these things along the way. It's just different levels for everything. No, absolutely. I mean, and I mean, I can 100% attest to that, that, um, I mean, I didn't know, like starting this, I didn't know how far it was going to go. It was something that was encouraged to me through a mentor. And I mean, something that I, I did enjoy doing and I was kind of doing anyway, like having networking calls very simple to this just not recording them and you know it kind of obviously blossomed into this but like I didn't necessarily know where that was going but I can also say now I can look back 70 plus episodes in and say oh my gosh the the change that's been made because (laughs) I'm somebody that I I mean I can I still consider myself introvert 
Like I've gotten comfortable doing this, but I still consider myself like introverted to the point that, Same. you know, it's like, and that's a whole nother thing but anyway it's a skill but that's the thing it's i'm the same way super introverted but like you have to develop that skill of communication it's the most important skill if you're going to get out there and do something and and look you've done the work you just said what 70 episodes i mean you've probably learned just so much just from that plus you did the work i mean it adds up adds up quick absolutely i mean I've, like you said just learn learn so much i mean it's absolutely insane I mean, and it's a fun way to do it too. Like I, I advocate sure. for podcasts all the time, but um, and so I don't want to get too far on that. <laughs> but um, but no, just like I really love the point that you made about framing things because, like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of like the thought exercise of like every time you say like I have to do something, if you flip the wording to I get to do that thing. Oh yeah, it like changes everything. Like instead totally. of saying I have to go to work, say I get to go to. Work. Instead of saying, I have to go do this, I can get to go do this. I mean, and it's like the smallest little thing, but at the same time, it like reshapes the way that your entire day goes because you're just looking at it differently. I mean, and it's, it's amazing really how much can be controlled in your life, like in between the, like in the six inches between your ears, like, I don't know. I say, I don't, I don't know enough about all that stuff. So I'm not gonna, <laughs> okay. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend. I'm not, <laughs> okay. but, but it is just, it is just baffling really that it's all like, it really is kind of in your control. Like there's, there's so much that's out of our control, but the way you perceive it is in your, can be in your control. And like it, it's really just truly amazing. But, um, Anyway, bouncing back into, you know, interview stage here. Um, one of the questions that I always like to ask the guests before we go ahead and kind of start wrapping things up is that if you could go back in time and have a conversation with yourself during that ground zero moment that we spoke of in the beginning of the episode, what do you think you would tell yourself in that conversation? Yeah, just, I, I don't know if I'd want to. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with That's the fair. way things have turned out. Like, um, I mean, look, everybody has those thought experiments of, oh, if I could have gone back in this or that, like, yeah, buy Bitcoin, right? That's what anybody would have done. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, that's totally fair, too. Um, you know, I think you're actually the first person that has said that they wouldn't want to. So congratulations, you're the first. But, um, like, I mean, it's, it's like, um, what is it like? Uh, is it back to the future that the guy goes back in time and he like gives himself all the sports scores for the years yeah, or whatever? Yeah. And like, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but like, and then it still like comes back to him later on, you know? So it's like one of those things that like, just like you mentioned in the very beginning, there's really no shortcuts. So like, despite the fact that it's a hypothetical question about a hypothetical situation, don't, you know, it's, He'll figure it out. You know what I mean? I'm here now. Younger me was the same way. So uh, younger me was an idiot. So I don't think I don't think anything <laughs> I would have said would have really worked anyway. So oh, man. well now, now I'm really curious to be honest with you. But <laughs> uh, but no, I think we all can relate to that. Just kind of, you know, looking back, like you said, that's the 
um, the levels to it. It's much easier to look down at where you were having already been through those scenarios and being able to look back on those things where rather trying to look up, whether that be into the sun or whatever, it is a lot more difficult with situations that you've never been in before. So it's hard to draw that up in your head and like assume how that situation could or could not go when you've never been there before. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> refreshing the, the cogs in the machine again. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for being willing to come on here today. I mean, a lot of powerful stuff. And I truly love the, the mission and everything that you guys are working on down there. Um, and I think it's amazing that, you know, despite all the challenges starting a business in another country, as well as something that a lot of people hadn't even heard of yet, you know, when you did, I think it's just truly amazing that you've been able to make it this far anyway. Um, to anybody who's been tuned in today, what would be the best way for them to follow up and get in touch with you? Yeah, they can always check out our website, www.dreambody.clinic. Um, you know, we're on Instagram, I think is clinic at dreambody clinic. We're on Facebook is DBC Medical Center. We're, we're pretty much all over there. If you just look up Dream Body Clinic and Stem Cells, we're transitioning right now. Dream Body Clinic was the original name. We're transitioning to DBC Medical Center. You know, originally I thought we'd have all these bodybuilders, things like that. Never had any of them, not many. It's been, you know, just people that want to age slower, want to feel better and heal. So uh, yeah, we'll have DBC Medical Center in about two months will be the main name. And We'll have the largest clinic, like I said, in the world for stem cell therapies here in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. So you can find us online pretty easy. Oh, that's amazing, man. Congratulations, by the way, as well. I'll have to check in then just to give you a special, you know, another yes. congratulations upon the day. Um, but seriously, thank you so much again for being willing to come on and share not only the story, but everything in between. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, always remember, everybody tuned in here today, that this is Dream Chasers Ground Zero. And there's nowhere to go from here. But uh, thanks again, Josh. Thanks.